Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail. Our next guest is no stranger to KQED listeners. Mina Kim is an award-winning reporter and anchor, and after hosting Forum on Fridays for many years, she took over Forum's daily 10 a.m. hour last July. But did you know that she's from Newfoundland, taught first grade in New Jersey, trained doctors and surgeons to be leaders, and was an avid runner before chasing after three kids? With Mina at the helm, Forum's second hour is now statewide and covers the most important state and national stories through a lens of race, justice, and equity. Hello, Mina, and welcome back to the 9 o'clock hour. (laughs) Hi, Ariana. Nice to be here. And I want to open it up to our audience. If you have questions for Mina on life, career, or forum, you can share them with us now. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So let's transport to Newfoundland, which Uh was (laughs) when I learned that that fun fact, you kind of dropped it in an editorial meeting at one time, kind of recalling your your childhood there. Um, Thought that was really intriguing. So what are some of your memories of of growing up there? Well, when I think of Newfoundland, honestly, Ariana, I just think of my dad. So uh, my dad died when I was eight years old. So that is the only place that he existed for me. So I was oh, wow. born in Canada. I was born in Windsor, but I moved to Newfoundland when I was six months old. So my memories of Newfoundland are of walking with him on very rocky beaches, of watching him shoveling a lot of snow, um, picking blueberries with him, and then waking up to him dancing and singing in our kitchen and and making blueberry pancakes. So for me, Newfoundland means means dad. And when and where did you first move when you came to the U.S.? Actually, I moved to Southern California. I moved to uh, Valencia in Southern California in Santa Clarita Valley. Um, And I went to school there for a couple of, of years before I went to middle school in the Thousand Oaks area. And that's also where I went to high school. I went to Oak Park High School. So I was actually really excited when uh, KCLU started to take the forum statewide 10 a.m. hour because right. that- Full circle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
And as I shared in the introduction, you've been a teacher. You've trained doctors on leadership. <laughs> When did you become interested in journalism? Is there another career you maybe thought you were going to have at some point? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, maybe if I was going to do something, it was going to It was going to be something related to women's issues. So I was a women's studies major when I was at the University of Michigan, and uh, and so I, I kind of thought that was my trajectory. Uh, but what I ended up doing was joining a program in San Francisco called the Coro Fellows Program in Public Affairs, and in that program you get to do basically one month stints with different sectors that impact public life, and we did a week. Called the Media Focus Week, and I, you know, I did placements in businesses and labor unions and nonprofit organizations. But it was the Media Focus Week that really grabbed me. So when there was this time at the end of that fellowship program where you had to actually try and get a consulting gig with an organization, mm -hmm. I told my uh, trainer at Coro that I wanted to be. Uh, I wanted to try to offer my services to a journalism organization, which I think I don't think he laughed out loud, but I think he probably laughed inside because he was trying to tell me how difficult it was uh, not only to to get any kind of paid internship or consultancy at a journalism organization, but that there are plenty of people who are trying to be interns or journalists who are constantly pitching their services who actually have journalism experience, which I didn't have. So, um, but not wanting to take no for an answer. I just cold called KQED, and I knew they had this program called Pacific Time, which was a half-hour weekly program at the time that focused on the interconnections between Asia and America, and on the issues affecting Asian Americans, and that they were open to taking you know pretty green people like me and being experimental. And so when I called them up, I basically said I'd be willing to do anything, and if they could let me hang out and learn how to do radio journalism, I would find an outside person to fund my basically the the. The fee or the contribution that I had to give back oh, wow. to the Coral Fellows Program. It's committed, yeah, <laughs> and so I did, and uh, and so that's how it all happened. And what are some of the other hats that you've worn here at KQED? And we know we've heard your voice as an anchor. Um, yes, in addition yes. to to hosting Friday Forums before becoming the full time ten host. Um, but what other hats have you worn? Right. So I was a general assignment reporter. Uh, for KQED, that was my first full-time gig with KQED. Before that, I was a production assistant on Pacific Time. I was a the the director for the California Report. That really did not last very long because I could not wake up early enough and be functional <laughs> for the California Report. Uh, so those were the two main things that I did besides being a contract fill-in reporter. Uh, for them, but it was really great. I mean, honestly, once I became, once I did my internship with Pacific Time, I basically, you know, just tried to keep my foot in the door and refused to ever leave. And so I think they eventually gave up and said, "Okay, all right, you want to fill in on the news desk? <laughs> I'll give you a chance to fill in on the news desk." And uh, eventually took on the role of a Friday Forum host to start. And do you remember what hosting your very first Forum show was like? Oh my gosh, yes, it was kind of hilarious. So my first major 10 a.m. guest that day, I remember, was, um, uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who did um, Good Times and uh, Norman the Lear? Jefferson. Yes, Norman okay. Lear. Norman I was Lear. like, oh, no, you're putting me in the hot seat to know. <laughs> 
And but yeah, I know that. And he just received the Carol Burnett Award for Golden Globe at yeah. the Golden Globes last so weekend. Norman Lear was my first guest. I was really excited to interview him. I read the entire book and was so excited. And he was going to come. He was flying down from. Uh, I believe it was Oregon at the time, and we got we got the notice that he missed his flight uh, down to San Francisco, and that I would have to try to interview him over the phone. Um, and so they were trying to get a so I think it was Oregon Public Radio that was trying to help us get a. Uh, like a, a Comrex, like what I'm using now remotely, so that his sound would be really clean when he spoke to me. And somehow the the reporter there ended up uh, getting sent to the wrong hotel. And so he ended up having to use his landline. And they were also telling me that he was a little sleepy. And so... Oh, wow. And all the way up until this moment when the 10 a.m. interview was supposed to happen, I kept getting notices from the producers that we might be going to a plan B, which would be a topic that, you know, I had not prepared for. I had no idea what it was going to be. And so it wasn't until about 15 minutes before the 10 o'clock was supposed to start that I, I got the notice that we were going to stick with Norman Lear and that we were going to do the interview. So it was a really crazy first uh, day. But but I have to say, he was so lovely, and I remember really enjoying that conversation and hearing the listeners really enjoy getting to talk to Norman Lear. So it was a great, it was yeah, great. Yeah, it's a huge first guest. Sounds yeah, pretty awesome. yeah. Well, we are getting a lot of uh, listener questions about really? kind of your your craft and um, kind of approach to, to your work. Uh, this one, Catherine tweets, Mina is amazing. How does she stay so present and composed when guests or callers elicit a strong emotional reaction, whether profoundly sad, joyous, or ridiculous? Oh, wow. Well, well, wow. Thank you for saying that. Um, uh, and I'm so glad that, that that's how she feels. Um, being present and composed, you know, one of the things that I always tell myself before or remind myself before every interview is to to really listen. It's it's the goal, um, because as you know, Ariana, there are so many forces fighting your ability to listen during a conversation. Yes, you've I'm got, looking at about five of them right now. Yes, exactly. Right. You've got you've got producers talking to you on Slack. You've got phone calls coming up on your screen. You've got comments being sent to you online and. Uh, and you're really just trying to listen to what the person is saying. And on the interviews, when I feel like I was really able to listen the entire time, I consider that a measure of success. In terms of composure, I think all I can think of is that I have a crazy family with a lot of different personalities. <laughs> so I, I just, I've, I've just learned um, to be around a lot of wonderful emotions, you know, the whole range of emotions. Um, and so I think that's probably part of, of why I'm, I'm sort of used to that and really enjoy the, the live engagement that we get to have on Forum, which is really the only uh, broadcast opportunity on our airways for that live direct interaction with audiences. So... Well, I'll, I do want to talk about kind of what we're looking forward to in the 10 hour. But one more tweet. Madeline tweets, how much time on average do you spend to prepare for interviews? Whatever you're doing, keep it up. You're a pro and it shows. Oh, thanks, Madeline. Um, OK, I'm probably an over prepper. <laughs> yes, you're like, yes, you are. Um, so I for an hour show, probably I take about 
four hours to prep for the show from start to finish. But, you know, what I really want to emphasize is how much preparing for a show is such a collaborative effort between producers and hosts, right? Um, you know this, Ariana, because you wear both hats as well. Mm -hmm. But so basically, you know, once the producer provides me with background links on the topic that we're going to talk about, pre-interviews from the guests that we're planning to have on that day, a suggested flow for how the conversation should go, then I get to really sit down and do my research, craft my questions, refine the flow, think about the kinds of conversations that I want to have and the ways that I, I want to really meaningfully engage with the audience in that process. So I'd say start to finish, it probably takes about three to four hours. And, uh, you know, that's usually after you you do your four to five hours um, pre-show that day, recording the show itself or broadcasting the show itself and then having those uh, post-show debriefs and talking about the next day's topic. So that ends up working out to my, you know, hopefully eight-hour day, but yeah. <laughs> not always. If you're just joining us, we're talking with forum host Mina Kim about the person behind the mic and what she's most excited about for this next chapter of forum. You can give us a call at 866-733-6786 or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So let's talk about the 10 hour. Um, yeah. It's a new chapter. We'll be looking at issues through the lens of race, equity and justice. What are you most excited about? One, um, just yeah, with this next chapter, with um, the lens that we're specifically bringing to that hour? Well, one of the things that I'm most excited about is that even though we say it's the lens of, of race, justice, and equity, it already permeates everything when it comes to every issue that that would be important to our listeners or or matter to the state of California. So it's not like we even have to make this extra effort to bring that piece of the conversation into it. I think one of the things that I'm really excited about in terms of the 10 is just the conversations that we as a team have been having about the importance of centering the lived experience of people from the state and of reflecting the state as it is, the people who are in it, and the state that we are becoming too with all the shifts that we're making as well. And so uh, it's subtle right now, but I think listeners are picking up on it where I think traditionally we've we focused a lot on on having experts talk about issues and then we would occasionally have call outs with people who are really experiencing what's going on. And in our efforts now with the 10 is to really show how the lived experience is the center, how it is news and how it qualifies as news. And I think through that process, what you end up doing is rather than, you know, making room for diversity, equity, uh, and so on, what you're really doing is, is making it the center. There is no room making here. It is just what the show is. So that's the part of it that I'm really excited about. Um, in terms of where I, I want to take it, though, I feel like having an emphasis on equity in terms of content is one thing, but I really want to make our practices more equitable. So I want it equitable. Like I want to be able to have our audiences who can't listen and engage in real time from 9 to 11 have more opportunities to be able to comment or leave voicemails ahead of time. I want to be able to to really build out our ability to do that pre-show and even post-show. I'm, I'm so excited for our new building because I also can't wait to carry over the kinds of conversations that really click with listeners uh, into that 
live space that our new building is supposed to have. And I think the other thing is that when I'd like to do more or sprinkle in a little more frequently pre-recorded conversations so that we can um, we can include people who might not be able to be guests between 9 and 11 as well. So for example, uh, we did a show a few years ago. I did this show with producer Irene Noguchi where we went to San Quentin to interview Erlon Woods about Ear Hustle. And then most recently when we did that show on grieving uh, that Blanca produced, um, you know, we were able to have assembly member Ramos, an indigenous assembly member who was able to talk about grieving for tribal elders. And he wasn't able to join during the 10 o'clock hour. But I think it was just an important um, interview or piece of content to be able to include in that conversation. So so I'm really thinking about uh, equity in terms of also just the way we operate. I have another listener question, question for you. How do you think the field of journalism has changed for for entry-level reporters today compared to when you yourself started? For entry-level, I do think that, you know, when I started, there was a lot of emphasis on being the objective and neutral journalist. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that people are realizing just how um, unrealistic and fraught that is as a requirement um, and how, how much that's centered in whiteness. And so I think... For me, there is much more of a recognition that who we are and what we bring to the conversation is is really valuable. It's not something to try to set aside to be able to do a story. It's also why I'm so excited uh, that Forum has become a two-host show because it gives an opportunity for our listeners to hear different voices and experiences in the host chair. And the host chair, there aren't a lot of opportunities for hosting roles. And so to be able to create a situation where you can add another person to that conversation, I just think it's a benefit for everyone. Well, I know I'm definitely looking forward to this, this next chapter as well. And to kind of close out, I thought we'd bring in a little bit more of, of the personal. I'm wondering if you're up for a little quick rapid fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. Morning person or night owl? I am a night owl. Dogs or cats? Cats. When it comes to movies, thriller or comedy? Oh, definitely comedy. Hard copy or ebook? Uh, that's really hard. So I was hard copy, as you know, but the pandemic has made me do more ebook and I'm starting to really gravitate towards that. <laughs> and when you used to commute and will one day commute again, music or podcast? Uh, you know what? It really depends on how good or bad my day was. <laughs> so if I had a bad day, I tend to listen to music. And if I had a good day and I can really focus and, and give my attention to a podcast, I'll do a podcast. Okay. And because you're in wine country, red wine or white wine or abstain? Uh, I, I'm red wine, but I am starting to appreciate white wine a lot more these yeah. days. <laughs> so thank you for kind of going along with me oh on that. God, yeah. yeah. I know you didn't see that one coming. I didn't did prep that one. Um, but before coming on today, I did ask you to share a favorite song of yours to end the show. Um, you picked Ivy's Edge of the Ocean. You want to just do kind of a quick 20 seconds on what that song means to you. Okay. So this, I mean, favorite sort of defined loosely, I, I, I picked this song because it really marked a, a major shift in my life when I was ending a relationship and beginning basically a new a new life and I remember coming out of a conversation and the song was playing and I was amazed at how much it spoke to the moment so since this is a time of shifting and, and new beginnings I thought I thought why not 
Well, thanks for joining me in the 9 a.m. hour. Thanks for doing this, Ariana. <laughs> Mina Kim, Forum's 10 a.m. host that you will hear in a matter of seconds for her show. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.